Welcome to Thrive in Design, a podcast about making money in beautiful interiors as it relates to product-based businesses in the interior design industry. Each week, we'll discuss innovative strategies on how to approach product development and design sales in a shifting market. I'm your host, Nicole Lachey-Ben. Welcome back to another episode of the Thrive and Design Podcast. I'm super excited about this episode today. We have Jessica Man Amato. She is a natural design leader. With over 20 years of client-focused design experience, she oversees workplace strategy, space planning, and interior design for Mancini Duffy as a principal and co-owner. She works diligently to bring her colleagues and clients together to achieve a shared vision infused with a creative edge that meets and exceeds expectations. Jessica utilizes Mancini's cutting-edge technology to further the design process and bring each client's vision to life. She uses the company's state-of-the-art design lab to lead clients through proprietary 360 design sessions, which immerse them in the future of design spaces and allow for a truly collaborative and interactive design process. Jessica has created spaces for clients such as Indeed, Rent the Runway, McGraw Hill, ALM Media, and Citigroup. Among many other innovative companies, she believes that true design inspiration is achieved with real collaboration with her group and with each client. I'm so honored to have you on the Thrive and Design podcast today, Jessica. So welcome to the show. Hi, Nicole. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So I like to start from the beginning with my podcast guests and kind of get a feel for what gave you inspiration to even get into this industry. So what sparked your initial interest in interior design? I think you've probably heard this a lot um, in in all of your podcasts, but uh, from a small child, I was always very interested in design. Um, I grew up in a family of very artistic and creative people. And um, my grandmother was, you know, always kind of a, a closet interior designer. She she wanted to do interior design as a career, but she ended up being, um, you know, a stay-at-home mom and, and homemaker. And so she always found creative outlets to do that within her life and for her friends and family. Um, my other grandma is a portrait artist. My grandfather's a structural engineer. So I was always kind of surrounded by it. So from the time I was about seven years old, I was the kid who was rearranging all the furniture, telling my mom where to move our artwork, you know, driving my mom nuts, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> because as a seven-year-old, I thought I knew how to design our house better. Um, and so it just kind of grew from there. I, I was always doing that over the years. I, um, you know, obviously as a child, you think about a lot of things. So I thought about other careers, but I always kind of came back to that I I liked the spatial aspect of interior design as well as the extremely creative part of it where you get to work with, um, you know, FF&E and, and get to know a client and design a space that is specific to their needs. So I, I went after it full force. Um, my high school teachers helped me create a portfolio. I got into an amazing um, private art school, Ringling School, of, uh, interior, Ringling school of Art and Design, and I did the interior design major there. Um, and, uh, from there I, I moved to New York. Um, my, my first job in New York was for Herman Miller. So I really got immersed and understood the furniture aspect of our industry. 
And then um, a few years later, jumped into an architecture firm. And I've kind of worked my way up through multiple architecture firms over the last 22 years. Um, got some amazing experience with some really great clients and, um, and, and finally landed at Mancini. And I think I've hopefully found my forever home. I have some amazing partners. Um, and so the five of us really work well with each other in order to you know, foster our culture and our community within our firm and, and do great design for our clients. That's awesome. So you've had this long evolution from the time of being a seven-year-old at home, <laughs> rearranging your house and giving your mom design tips to now being the principal of Mancini. So how has your appreciation for design and all the different aspects of it evolved over time? I think just uh, with all the years that I've been working in all the different facets of it, just really our understanding of how we're all connected and we all rely on each other. Um, you know, it started at my first job at Herman Miller, understanding that, you know, the manufacturers, the dealers, all of the different vendors, architects, the designers, the construction companies, you know, all of us, we really have to work together as a team. And it's that teamwork that creates an amazing project. And when you don't have the teamwork that's kind of jiving and working really well, then, you know, potentially you have issues in your project. So I have such an appreciation for, I think, every facet um, of the process and, and everyone who's part of the process from, you know, a very small part of the process to really being involved from start to finish. I think I just have such an appreciation for it. And also, I think, uh, you know, I studied abroad in London. Um, Me too. Right I before did too. You did? Yeah. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I wish I could have stayed there. <laughs> Same. <laughs> But I think as a, you know, as a, a young um, woman in college, you know, going from where I grew up um, in Florida and where I was in school in Florida to London, big, big difference there. The thing that I noticed in London was that every tiny store, you know, you'd go in a store that might be like a 10 by 20 and it was beautifully designed. And it just made me realize that it doesn't matter how big the project is. It doesn't matter how detailed it is that you can do amazing things with with something that's very small um, or something that's just, you know, one component of a project. Right, right. I loved so many things that you said just now. One, all the collaboration that goes into design and then how the design could actually make a lasting impact on you, whether you're experiencing it or or you're on the other end of designing that space. So mm -hmm. with Mancini, tell me a little bit more about your firm and the core principles that you guys use to approach design in different ways. So we really approach design from a partnership perspective. We like our clients to be true partners with us throughout the whole design process. And I think that's really um, part of what created our 360 design processes is we wanted to immerse them with us, you know, from initial test fit all the way through the process. So instead of it being this, you know, we sit down, we have a meeting with the client, we go away, we work for two weeks, and then we come back and have another meeting. We wanted it to be more of an iterative process where they're part of the team because we feel like the best designs come from a true collaboration where we're all in a room and we're brainstorming together and we're working through it. Now, obviously we come to the table with 
big ideas and, you know, initial concepts and initial design ideas as we're going through the process. But I find that when the clients really bought into it, that your end result is so much better. So when they're a true part of the team and they're buying into the design from the start, it just creates a better product at the end of the day. So, so we're very immersive. We believe in true partnerships. Um, we believe in, you know, culture and collaboration. Um, we, we promote from within and we also believe in, um, you know, research and development, bring us a big idea and we will explore that. We will give you the legs. We'll give you the budget. And we want to, um, you know, be entrepreneurial in that way. So we've had a lot of different things brought about like our design lab, like MDLX, which is our final layer staging and styling. Um, and we believe that, you know, no idea is a bad idea. We want to encourage people to continue to grow and evolve along their professional development path. Yeah. So let's talk more about your tech platform, 360 Design Sessions, your design lab. What does that look like? And, mm -hmm. you know, what is the experience like for somebody that's coming to you as a client? Mm -hmm. So we have uh, our actual design lab, which is a lab within our office where you can come into the lab. There's large screens. You can put on the VR goggles and you can be immersed in your project. And um, everyone as a team can sit around and watch the person that's in the VR goggles experience it. We also have our multiplayer platform, which allows you to experience that from the comfort of your own home. So we could have, you know, 25 people all over the world within our software walking through the project together. Um, so there's different ways to experience it. But what that is essentially is um, the Toolbox is a software that we created to combine kind of the best of everything that we use. So it all starts with Revit. Um, Revit is the backbone of what we're doing. We create everything in Revit and then we're exporting it into our tool belt. And tool belt essentially is a way for us to um, design further and to manage uh, what's going on in the project. So as we're going through our 360 design sessions within tool belt, we're able to take it from you know, a whitewash model when we're introducing big ideas in the beginning you know, all the way through something that is fully rendered out and pretty close to photorealistic, where you're seeing all the finishes, all of the furniture, all of the equipment, the lighting. But it goes a step beyond that. And when I say it really is combining kind of the best of all the software that we use, we can measure in Toolbelt. We can take notes in Toolbelt. We can do walkthrough animations in Toolbelt. So it's taking the best of Revit, the best of all the rendering software that's out there, as well as, you know, project management tools and combining all of that into one software that allows us to be um, interactive and immersive with our clients within the platform. Yeah. So it's just awesome. a very different way of, of designing and presenting within that platform where we're all in the environment together. Right. It sounds very futuristic and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and really cool too. So how did that even come about like and then like what was the first reaction to something like this because it's it hasn't always been around right like you said before um, design could be a process where you come to the table to your client give them ideas then after the meeting you go away and work for two weeks and then come back and go mm -hmm. back and forth so once you introduce something like this like what 
just like, what is the reaction of somebody? And then like, how has that really changed the game for you guys? Yeah. So um, really the design lab and our tool vault is the brainchild of Michael Kipfer, who's one of our principals. And it sort of evolved out of um, us being willing to do R&D um, as things came up with our clients. So we work very closely with Bocaria restaurants and the owner of Bocaria, Jan. Um, he was in one day uh, years ago now, and we were going through a design and we were looking at it um, in, in a rendering program, but a, you know, a, a pretty dumbed down uh, rendering program. And, and, and as we're going through, you know, just, just like I was saying before, you know, brainstorming, creativity and things kind of happening as sparks within, within a session are really what drives our creativity and, and, and our R&D. So he would say something like, wouldn't it be great if we could look at this in this way? Or, um, you know, Michael Kipfer would say, wouldn't it be great if we could measure this to answer that question that you just asked me? And so it started as, you know, a very simple software and it's really evolved into what it is today. And, and that's been driven by, um, you know, our internal team meetings, as well as our meetings with clients that um, spurred us to continue to make it better and evolve it and add new features to it. And so um, now I think it's just become this amazing tool that allows clients to from inception, you know, from test fit phase, as they're looking at multiple properties to visualize what we see, you know, as, as designers and architects, oftentimes we're, we're seeing things in 3D in our mind as we're even thinking about the design, right? Clients can't do that necessarily. Not everyone can do that. So it allows them to see firsthand what we're talking about. And it allows us to lead them through the process in a very different manner that visually they can understand it faster. I think what's been great about it is it helps us to get buy-in quickly um, because they are seeing what we're describing to them. And, you know, it's not 2D and we're able to present our design within that immersive environment. They get it because they're seeing it. And it allows us to, you know, tweak a little bit if we need to tweak or get buy-in on exactly what we're presenting. The great thing that I mentioned earlier is that you can have a lot of people in it at once. So oftentimes we're presenting to like a board of people and, and it will literally be 25 people and they can all see the same thing together. So to get buy-in on that design is, is much faster. And I think that it has evolved the way that we do things in that we're, you know, we don't like to print anymore. We, we don't like to do things in 2D. We want to continue to evolve so that, you know, not only are we always designing in this immersive environment, but all of the consultants and the, and the vendors and the contractors that we're working with, you know, they've started to up their game as well. So that everything that we're doing as a team is done kind of on this platform and in this way so that the client gets that really quick visual and understands everything faster. So it helps with everything from, you know, construction administration, you know, you're dealing with a conflict of a light fixture hitting a sprinkler head and everyone can quickly visualize it, see what the solution is, and we can work our, th our way through problems much faster. So hopefully at the end of the day, you know, the big hairy kind of goal that we're looking for is that we're not having to print things anymore. We're just always presenting, designing, you know, getting DOB approval. That's the really big hairy goal through this process of presenting within a 3D model. 
Right. Okay. So I have a couple of follow-up questions for that. Yeah. There's so many good <laughs> things that you just said. Um, the first thing, so when you're dealing with specifying all of these different things for your designs, what type of information do you gather from all the product manufacturers to then feed into your tech platform to create that immersive experience for your clients? You know, you hit on something really key. Um, it's one of our biggest challenges. Um, we need really good Revit families. And a lot of manufacturers aren't doing true Revit families. They're creating it in some other 3D software. And then when we're inserting it into our model and putting it into tool belt, it'll show up with like the wire mesh all over it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm sure yeah, you've seen yeah. it. And then it's very hard to render properly when you have that wire mesh. So, so one of the things that takes us quite a bit of time is having to recreate custom Revit families for products that we cannot find. So I would love for the industry to get more up to speed with creating better 3D models and better Revit families so that we can do that. Um, because we really believe that having the correct furniture, the correct lighting, all of the correct finishes in the model at the end of the day, you know, it's showcasing our design much better and all of our products much better. Um, so we're looking for high-res images of all the finishes. We're looking for really good um, Revit families. And we're inputting all of that into the model so that we're showcasing the design properly. Awesome. I feel like there was another part to that question that I didn't answer. No, you got it. You hit it. <laughs> okay. The nail on the head. My, the second part is in my head. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> so for the client that is experiencing this rendered space and this experience that you guys are creating, how do you all go about also giving them the feel of like the material? materiality of the things um of the finishes and the design too so they're seeing what it'll look like but how do they get a feel for all of the different aspects of the design as well or do they just get that in the final space so we do still pull all the actual finishes we'll have all the actual finishes with us oftentimes in a box as we're walking through it in the model but we're still looking at the finishes I, I think that it will always be extremely important to feel things and look at things and see how the light reflects off of things. The software is amazing at showing that. Um, it is very close to photorealistic. So <clears throat> as we go from, you know, initial whitewash model to kind of shades of color and design intent on the ff &E all the way through, you know, fully rendered out where you have every material assigned, you do really get a great idea of what the materials feel like. There are things that we can play with within the way that we're including the images and the textures so that you're seeing the texture of wood or, you know, you're feeling the way that light reflects off of glass, you know, you're getting all of that within the model. So it, it is a bit of a, you know, looking at the actual finish and then experiencing it in the model as well. But, you know, that that really goes to what I was speaking about a minute ago is having really high quality, really good images mm -hmm. and seamless images that will allow us to implement them onto all of the different surfaces really easily. Awesome. Awesome. So I hope that all the manufacturers that are listening to this <laughs> take, yes, note. <laughs> take note and move forward with amazing rabbit families for all of the materials that you're specifying. I love it. Yes. <laughs> so you talked a little bit about your design process and 
what that looks like in the beginning stages and what that looks like when you're midway through maybe construction documents all the way to when the uh, design is complete. So tell me about how you even come up with the goal of your design or those big ideas or even balance in what your clients are giving you as you're collaborating mm -hmm. on, a, on a space. It all starts with workplace strategy and programming. You know, honestly, I feel like that's kind of the backbone of everything that we do. We have to get to know our clients. So it starts with, um, you know, meetings with them, interviews, um, information gathering sessions, understanding the logistics of how their companies work, understanding what's working well for them and what their pain points are, what their goals are for the future. So there's always, you know, a couple of weeks and depending on the size of the project, sometimes it's up to six months for very large projects. There's always a workplace strategy and programming phase of the project. And this is what informs us then taking and coming up with what those big ideas are for the design and, and oftentimes, you know, solving what their problems and their pain points are and, and how they're currently working. Right now, it's... Um, it's extremely important as we're all kind of adapting to this new hybrid style of working and, and understanding how people will be utilizing the office, will be utilizing their home and what that office environment means to everyone now. It has to mean so much more to all of us. Um, so yeah, it all starts with the workplace strategy. Um, I really think that without that, we're all kind of designing blind, right? We have to understand what the goals are for the client in order to create great design solutions. So we take that and then we do, we get our whole team together and we do brainstorming sessions. And this is really where the magic happens. I think we throw out just hundreds of ideas and you get, you know, five that stick and then you pull it down into, you know, two or three really big ideas that can turn into um, spatial and conceptual moves within the space. And once we get to that, we present those, you know, two or three big ideas to the client, narrow it down to one idea. And then that kind of informs how we do everything, how we're choosing our finishes, how we're specifying all of our furniture, you know, what the lighting does within the space. It all goes back to that big idea that we've created based on all the research and knowledge that we've gathered from the client. Yeah, I love that. And I'm especially passionate about research, whether mm -hmm. that is coming up with a business idea or designing a space. Because if you really understand who you're designing for, what their pain points are, and then get really outside of the box with the ideas that you're coming up with, I believe that's where true innovation happens. So I love that. Absolutely. That strategy portion and that research portion informs your design. Um, I love that. Yes. I know you talked a lot about collaboration and how that inspires your design, but is there something or somebody that inspires you most in life or even in your design process? There's so much inspiration, I think, that comes out of our brainstorming sessions. And often it's just the craziest ideas that people throw out that then spurs this really amazing, imaginative, creative concept for the project. But for me personally, I get a lot of inspiration from my six-year-old daughter, from nature. I love, you know, hiking and kayaking and gardening and just being outside. There's so many things that I see in nature, you know, silly things from the lines that are formed on a leaf to how new spring buds are coming out of the ground. And I see patterns in that. And then I think, oh, that pattern would be really cool on a wall covering or what if I took this nature inspired design and that became how my plans space plans. So 
it's, it's really, you know, the simplest things travel. Oftentimes I went to um, Greece in 2018 and I got so inspired just by the colors that I was seeing. And there was a lot in the following years that were kind of inspired by those color schemes. So it's everything that we see and do and are surrounded by everything can be an inspiration. I think. I love it. I love it. Yeah. My, my son also gives me inspiration, but I find inspiration sometimes through just scrolling through social media, (laughs) I'll get an idea and I'm like, Oh, let me write that down. And, and it'll come into, you know, other things. So I'd love to hear where people get inspired from. Yeah. So as this, as we go into the rest of this year and next year, what are some things we can look forward to in Mancini, especially talking about like how the workplace is shifting, you know, how are you guys going to be approaching that? So from a Mancini perspective, you know, we're really looking to grow. We've just acquired a firm, Gertler and Wente, and uh, we're folding them into the Mancini family. And it's been great. You know, we've just had our first um, T3, which is our third Thursday, all hands that we do every month. And it was so nice to have not only all of us together from the original Mancini family, but also our new family as well. Um, in a room together for the first time since 2019. It felt amazing to all be together again. Um, so we're really looking to, to grow. In, in many regards, we're looking to stretch out to new market sectors. And part of this um, uh, new Mancini family is going to help us do that. We'll be reaching out into hospitality, more residential, which we haven't done as much of um, uh, traditionally. Um, and we're also looking just to continue kind of our big hairy goals, you know, to continue to push um, the 3D immersive component to continue to use less paper. We're looking for new R&D um, to get into, you know, we, we get together as a leadership group and we throw out a lot of big, crazy ideas. So some of them stick and some of them don't. So we have a few that we're looking at right now, um, not really to be discussed yet, but you never know what we'll do as Mancini. So <laughs> we might be 3D printing houses one day for all you know. That would be something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we throw out a lot of ideas. And so we'll see where some of them go. I love it. I love it. So tell the audience where they can find more information about Mancini and you online. Mancini.com, um, Jessica Manamato on LinkedIn, at Jessica Manamato on Instagram, and uh, we have Mancini uh, LinkedIn and Instagram as well. It's Mancini underscore Duffy. Well, thank you, Jessica. I have thoroughly enjoyed hearing all about your journey from the time you were seven years old until now <laughs> about the tool belt and how you guys are really innovating in terms of design and experience of design in your projects. And I'm looking forward to maybe even getting a 3D printed house in the future. Who knows? (laughs) That would be amazing. So yeah, thanks for being a guest today. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us this week on Thrive in Design. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Thrive in Design. And for more strategies on how your product company can innovate in the interior design industry, head to training.thriveindesign.co. As always, subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave us a review so we can continue to create captivating content. See you next week.